going to be a great year. We've been, uh, as, a, as a senior leadership team that includes our president and all of the other vice presidents, other administrators, all of the faculty, all the executive directors, we've been praying all summer. It's like summertime around here is a ghost town. It's so depressing. There are no students here. And uh, it just forces us to have to get in our office and do all the hard work in our offices. We just can't wait for you to get back here so that we can engage in all the awesome things that God is going to do, but also all the awesome things that, that you are going to do for God, even in the preparation, all your classwork and all the other activities. And so life life comes back to this uh, university in a very, very real palpable sense when you guys finally get here. And so I'm just privileged to be able to speak this morning because I think God's given me a message. I know he's given me a message that is going to encourage you uh, because all of you are relating to something very, very common in the situation that you find yourself here at at North Central. But before I get into it, I think it'd be cool because we have a mixture of both brand new uh, incoming students and we have some returning students that have checked in and they're ready to roll. Um, If you are a returning student, I I want you to stand to your feet. If you are a a returning student, I want you to stand stand to your feet. Now, no clapping, no clapping. I I don't want you to clap for them because they haven't earned it just yet. Um, You guys have done big stuff, but but returning students, awesome. Okay, the reason I wanted you as returning students to stand up, do you guys all know that that like the classic thing that you don't do anymore in churches anymore is you have all the visitors, the new people stand. You just don't do that anymore. So the new students, the incoming brand new students, I didn't want you to have to stand up and feel awkward because these returning students have gotten to their feet and they are giving you a standing ovation for coming to North Central University. Yeah. Awesome. All right, you guys can be seated. We're going to we're going to do something at the end of, uh, of my teaching before we uh, conclude and, and go on our way for the rest of the day. But uh, today, this being a Sunday, this is a unique gathering because we don't gather on Sundays here at North Central University. We don't have a church service. Uh, we don't have a college church that, that, that we encourage all the students to come to. This is very unique. It's unique because it's the, it's the first weekend after the arrival of almost over 300 brand new freshmen and transfer students. And then another 600 you know, returning students are going to be making their way in even this afternoon as they come back. So this is kind of like the first Sunday that uh, we have decided let's have a service for our students and especially for our new incoming students who haven't got a feel yet for uh, where uh, the different churches are that you can choose from. Uh, but I say all that to say that we don't want to see any of you here in any of the Sunday mornings as we move forward, okay? So don't get confused and think like, oh, I'll just get up on Sunday morning and there'll be this thing Sunday morning. There will not be this thing on Sunday mornings moving forward because the, the idea here is that part of, part of what God is doing to prepare you to do what you're going to do for Him in the world, whether it be as a pastor, youth pastor, children's pastor, or you're gonna be a business leader or you're gonna teach school or you're gonna do something in the marketplace, you're going to be in a church. God wants you to be in one of his local churches so that you can be part of the plan A in pushing the kingdom of God forward in our world. And God's plan A is the local church because through the local church, God is sending missionaries and God is sending parachurch organizations through the local church on every street corner in every community where God is drawing people to find connection. And we want you to find connection not only here at North Central, but we want you to find connection in a local church. And so, uh, so today is a very special day. You get a Sunday off from being in church, but we're having our own church service as well. If some of you don't know who I am, my name is Doug Graham. I'm the Vice President for Spiritual Life here at North Central. And, uh, the, and that's kind of the official title. But the real title, the, the relevant title, the title that makes sense is this, that I'm the campus pastor. I am not your pastor, but I'm your home away from home pastor, and I'm the person who coordinates all of our chapel programming, uh, all that happens in here uh, Monday through Friday from 1045 to 1035, that's our new chapel time, Uh, and then also coordinating different, uh, different opportunities for you if ever you need some pastoral counseling, some spiritual guidance, you just want to you know, you get some prayer or you want to get involved maybe in some mentoring that I can provide for you. 
uh, I would love to do that, and that's my role. I graduated from North Central University about 400 years ago, and uh, 1986, that's a long, long time ago. That's before many of your moms and dads were even married. So long before you were even in their mind's eye, I was sitting where you sit. But back in the day, we didn't have those cushy chairs. We had these hardback, what they call, have you ever heard of pews? Have you ever heard of the word pews? Okay, Pews. And get this, in the pews, in the seat backs of the pews, they had these little, these things, they look like books and they're called hymnals. You guys all know what a hymnal is. Okay. So back in the day, that's, uh, that's, what this, that's what this very setting was. And it was awesome. And we had chapel every day and it was life transforming. But I was a student. I graduated from here, went into youth ministry, and I was a youth pastor in Bismarck, North Dakota for about four years. And then my pastor that I was working for moved, asked me to stay on his staff, and I went with him. My wife and I went with he and his family to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Anybody from Wisconsin? All right, all right. And then I, so we served as associate pastors at what is now called Journey Church. And then it was time for Vicki and I to launch out all by ourselves and go to our own church, pastor our own church. And we went to La Crosse, Wisconsin, small little church of 60, and stayed there for 12 years. And that's kind of where all of our four kids kind of grew up in their, in their elementary years, their high school years. And then in 2005, I got this call from the church that I started with in Bismarck, North Dakota. Who are, do we have any North Dakota students here? Come on. All right, went back to Bismarck, and I was the lead pastor at Evangel Assembly for uh, nine years, and then I got this incredible invitation, like out of the blue. The former president, Dr. Gordon Anderson, said, Doug, I wonder if you'd be interested in leaving your great church. I probably can't convince you because you're in revival, great things are happening, but I need someone to come to our university and be a vice president and, and, I, and specifically focus on the spiritual pulse of our institution. I want someone to take charge of that, and I want that person to be at all of the, all of the decision-making meetings at our university uh, and, and thus a, a vice president position. And I just, it was a hard decision because over the course of nine years at our church, we went from about 500 to about 1,500 people, and we had multiple services, and we were doing cool things to reach young adults and it was awesome. We served Starbucks coffee in the middle of the church service. Can you believe that? We took a seven-minute coffee break after the music, after the worship, and we just had all these kiosks in our sanctuary, and, uh, and it was awesome. It just created this incredible environment for non-church people to feel like this wasn't really a churchy-type place. And it's in that kind of environment where we were able to preach the gospel and see many, 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 many people come to faith. It was awesome. But God had given me now an opportunity, an open door, to leave the local church in that setting and come to a place like North Central University. And here's the vision God gave me, why I would be willing to walk away from that great environment and come to this great environment because coming to this environment gives me the opportunity to interact not just with parishioners that spread out throughout a whole community and, and reach people in the community, but now I get to work with a thousand students every year and through little ways influence you and part of my influence when you graduate goes all over the world and so I'm just pumped to be able to be here in the role that I get to serve in I teach half time so I got a couple of classes that I teach and if you're in the college or church leadership you might take personal formation of the spiritual leader we're kicking it off Monday morning and it's gonna be awesome and then I teach pastoral theology if you're going into ministry uh, vocational ministry you'll you'll take me again either in your sophomore junior senior year and then I teach a course in our graduate uh, studies uh, strategic leadership program called personal leadership development. So I've got a teaching load, but I also have this incredible opportunity to steward what happens in this room. And uh, along with our president, it's just a great, great honor to see what God does. See, this place, this room, and, and, and not just this room, but what happens from 1045 to 1135, okay? Get that time in your mind, those of you that are returning students, because it's a new time. We're moving it just a little bit earlier, but it's still a 50-minute experience every day, 50-minute spiritually charged experience for you to come into this room right here, forget about all the stress of your academics, forget about all the stress of financing, how is the money going to come in? Put away all the stress because sometimes as a student you're going to get bad news from home. Something's going to bother you. Something's going to tempt you to feel like, think like you got to leave here and you got to go back home to take care of something and you're just all stressed out. You don't know how it's going to happen. You have some relational ups and downs 
And it's going to be in this place from 1045 to 1035 where you know that you are going to be able to push it all aside and just give it to Jesus. And let him continue to develop you through the stresses and the strains of what we call college life. And it's not easy. But I want you to just begin thinking about how valuable, what a privilege, what an honor it is. A lot of our Christian universities don't have daily chapel anymore. Even a lot of our Assemblies of God sister schools no longer have chapel every day. We've chosen to say, you know, we're going to have chapel every day. We're going to have it every day. And not that you have to be here every day. You're going to be given X number of uh, skips that you can cash in when, when when you need to be doing something else that's of a a crisis or something that's critical, but I want you to kind of just begin thinking about not so much the have-to of chapel every day, but the get-to that in this place, as you're worshiping, as you're hearing to messages being preached, and as you have the opportunity virtually every time, the altars will be open for you to come and just get on your hands and face and just give it all to God. That's a tremendous advantage that God is going to give to you, and I want you to lean into it. I want you to lean into it, because it's going to be a great, great year. Now, what I want to talk about this morning is something that relates to each and every one of you. There's something that's going on in your life, whether you are a freshman or a transfer student or you are finishing your last semester. This is your senior year, and you don't even have to go the whole year. You just have 15 more credits to nail down. There's something that I'm going to address this morning that is relevant to each of you. I'm going to talk about something that isn't just for some of you. It isn't just for, you know, half of you. I'm not going to talk about something that only relates to just like 95% of you. I believe that what God's put on my heart is something that as a student... Every single one of you are wrestling with this, even in this very moment. I'm going to identify it in just a moment. This this thing that I'm talking about causes some of you to feel really excited, and it fires you up. You've been made in such a way when this this concept hits you in the face, you just kind of respond to it, and something rises up within you, and you say to yourself, let's do this. I'm ready to do this. Others of you, when you uh, experience this thing that I'm going to identify in just a moment, it causes you to be a little bit of appreh- apprehensive. It, it kind of pushes you back on your heels, and you're not, you, you know, you, you, you just hesitate because uh, you just got to take a deep breath, and you're not sure. Others of you, when you experience this concept, this experience that I'm going to identify, it makes you feel intimidated, and uh, it kind of stirs up some worry and some fear and some very real anxiety. This thing that all of us are dealing with. You're all asking, well, Dr. Graham, what is it that you're talking about? I want you to look at this picture to see if you can maybe identify if this picture uh, would give you kind of an indication of what I want to talk about this morning. What does this picture speak to you about? And if nothing is coming to your mind, perhaps I just need to tell you what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the unknown. The unknown. The unknown. Each and every one of you as students, and even even myself, there's a bit of the unknown that lies ahead in my life this coming year. Everything is not all nailed down after you get your degree and after you get into your profession, after you get doing what you're doing, and I'm beginning my sixth year And so I'm kind of getting more and more understanding the rhythm and what to expect. But, you know, there's some unexpected things that are going to happen this coming year that that are not on my radar. And that's the way it is for you. That's the way it is when we know that we are facing something that is the unknown. So the title of my talk this morning is simply Embracing the Unknown. When you're saying to yourself, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Because some of you are feeling that. Some of you are feeling that. Obviously, if you're an incoming freshman, you're kind of maybe, what have I gotten myself into? I've never been to college before. This is going to be a brand new experience. But even if you are a senior and you've got 15 credits left, you are also maybe saying, what have I gotten myself into? I'm about to graduate, and I don't know how it's going to happen getting a job, doing a good job in my job, making it a career, making it, you know. So there's all these What in the world have I gotten myself into? So what is the unknown? The unknown is something that lies ahead that you're not quite sure about. It's something that 
you might have some level of awareness about because you've done a little research, okay? You're a freshman, you've done your research. And a lot of people have given you some research that this, you know, this, hey, when you get to college, just, this is what's going to happen. And so you have an awareness of this unknown chapter that's about to begin in your life. You've learned through other people's experiences and they've offered you advice. And so you're not completely unaware of this new chapter called the unknown. But as far as personally experiencing what you're about to experience, you are going somewhere that you have never been before. You're on a road where you don't see where it leads around the next corner. And that's called the unknown. And um, how many of you are tired of the college advice, by the way? Especially those of you who are incoming freshmen, how many hundreds of people have given you advice? Now, when you get to college, when you get to Minneapolis, hey, I went to North Central, you know, and so people have been giving you lots of advice, and it doesn't matter how much advice or how much research you have gathered about your unknown steps in the immediate future, you're still dealing with, what have I gotten myself into? Because I know there's a lot that lies ahead that I've never experienced yet. And you wonder, do I have what it takes? Am I going to be ready? Now, how do people react to the unknown? Some people are by nature energized by the unknown. Some people are uh, cautious when they are wrestling with the unknown. Other people are apprehensive. And as I mentioned, some people are dealing with flat-out fear. Uh, my wife and I have been married. We celebrated 35 years of marital bliss. Uh, as of oh, thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you she should be the one that should be getting the applause because living with me is not an easy thing but 35 years but prior to being married uh, August 17th 1984 we dated all through high school and so um, the call of God was on my life in in with the definition of that being going into full-time vocational ministry and I knew that I was going to go to one of our Assembly of God schools. And so I, I, I graduated from high school. I went to school. I didn't go here. I went to one of the other AG schools in Springfield. And, um, and, but Vicki was a year younger than me, so she finished her senior year as I went to school uh, in Springfield my first year. And then when she graduated, she, with a call of God on her life as well, defined in the sense of, I think God's calling me to be a pastor's wife, uh, and so that dating relationship just had all kinds of meaning all through high school because we had this similar calling and the similar passage. So I remember the summer that she had graduated and we were getting her all ready to go with me to my second year of school in Springfield, Missouri. It was going to be her first year of school. And I re can remember the trauma that suddenly hit her when I went to the farm. She's raised on the farm. I went to her farm to pick her up, and we were going to drive together with a slew of other kids from our youth group to Springfield, Missouri. And like all of a sudden, when it came time to say goodbye to her parents, she lost it. I mean, I don't mean she just lost it like I'm sad and I'm crying. She lost it with a wave of anxiety and fear. I mean, you could see it in her eyes. She wasn't just crying because she's sad to leave home. She was crying because she was scared spitless. And it was difficult. I could see I, it was, there was terror in her eyes. She'd never really been home. I mean, she'd never been away from home. I mean, she'd been away from home, but she'd never really been away from home. 1,800 miles from our hometown to Springfield, Missouri, that's a big deal. And I can remember it being so traumatic for her. And that drive to Springfield was very painful for her. It was very difficult. She was wrestling with the unknown at a very, very traumatic level. But I will tell you, and she would tell you if she was here today, by the way, she's an executive pastor at Cedar Valley Church, so she's killing it. God has really developed her, and she's a leader of leaders. It's awesome. But, uh, but, but it started out like, I don't know if she's going to make it, literally, the boyfriend, as, she, as I'm driving the car, I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't think she's going to make it. Uh, I might have to turn this car around, and it may not, college may not be for her. But we drove all the way, and she got plugged in, and she just began to lean into 
the whole process that you have begun this last couple of days, those of you that have came in on, on, on Wednesday and you checked in or you're checked in on Thursday and you as an incoming freshman and you maybe have some of those anxieties, the unknown of being at college and being now away from mom and dad, you're, you're leaning into it. You're leaning into it. You're not hiding out in your, in your residence hall uh, and pulling the covers over your, your, your head. You're leaning into it. And I'm telling you that what happened to my wife is going to what's happened to you. As you lean into the unknown, God's going to give you the ability to keep taking taking another step, another step, another step, another step. And then what's going to happen is you're going to continue to face the unknown every semester when you take new courses because every time you take a whole other set of new classes, the unknown of can I do this course because you're going to go from 100-level classes to 200-level classes to 300-level classes to 400-level classes. And in your junior, senior year, you can even take a couple of graduate courses if you so choose. And every time you take the next step of development, there is this this feeling of the unknown, and you're wrestling with, ah, anxiety. I don't know. Can I get this done? Can I do this? And this is how we react. But I I have some good news for you in the midst of all this unknown negativity. It's human, okay? It's human to have all of these reactions to something that lies ahead that is unknown, In fact, if you don't have any reaction to the unknown, it means you have lost touch with your soul. Because your soul inside of you, that emotion that God's put inside of you that gives you that that sense of humanness, that sense of joy, that sense of sadness, that sense of all of the emotional feelings of being human, if you don't feel anything when you're dealing with the unknown, it just means you're detached from something very important that God's given you. That's why I say some of you look at the unknown and it raises up adrenaline and energy and I can't wait to get after it. But others of you, you you have rising within you this sense of fear and that's okay that's human welcome to the human race because it's human to have a guttural reaction either negative or positive to something that is unknown so don't think that okay because I'm looking at the unknown and I'm nervous and I'm scared and I'm intimidated and I look at other people and they seem to have confidence and they seem to have more energy there must be something wrong with me though there's nothing wrong with you There's only something wrong with you if you're looking at the unknown and there's nothing. And that's where God wants to breathe life into you. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be apprehensive. And it's okay to be excited. If you're at all wrestling with what lies ahead, you are in the club of being human. You might be asking, why is this important? Well, look at the, just think about the title of the message that I'm I'm giving. Embracing the unknown. The key word in this title is learning how to embrace the unknown. How do we embrace the unknown? It's critical that we learn how to handle the unknown because the unknown that you deal with in this season of your life is preparing you to deal with the unknown in the next season of your life. That is is preparing you to deal with the unknown in the next season of life. And all of these successive unknowns don't get easier, but they actually get more challenging. So don't worry about the unknown that you're going to have to deal with when you graduate. Let that take care of you. You just deal with the unknown that lies ahead of the brand new classes you got to take on Monday and all the new friendships that you're navigating this semester and all of what you have to do as a senior with your senior project and your internship. Just deal with the unknown that is in your face right now and know that it's preparing you. It's preparing you for all the unknowns that you'll have all throughout life. The unknown is a universal experience. It's a common experience. And here's the good news. The unknown is a transforming experience. If you choose never to wrestle with the unknown, you have chosen not to grow. You've chosen not to become stronger. It's through the resistance that our muscles get stronger and the resistance of life, of the unknown, is what's preparing you, is what's strengthening you in many, many different ways. You see, here is Theology 101. I think it's on the slide behind me. Faith is the Christian journey. I mean, period. Faith is the Christian journey. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is the Christian journey, and the journey of faith is always a journey into the unknown. You can't escape it. This means that in the journey of faith, the unknown 
is not optional. It's not optional. And the unknown is not occasional. The unknown is constant. There's always an unknown that God is putting before us so that we stay on the path of faith, which drives us to this altar every time we're in chapel. I just, let me just say this, okay? Especially to those of you brand new students. You're going to experience chapel on Monday. It's going to be all worship, Jeff Dio, Ellington Porter, Vinny Zarletti are going to lead us in the, the most outstanding musical worship that is just, it's just awesome. It's going to be incredible. Our president is probably going to give a little, little snippet of an encouraging word, and it's just going to be great. It's going to be 50 minutes of just, oh, hallelujah, school has started, and this is awesome. Jesus is here. Tuesday, I'm going to preach, okay? And, and God's given me a message that I just can't wait to give to you on, on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we're going to do something called... Um, I forget what we're doing on Wednesday. Uh, but Thursday, we're doing something called an academic convocation. It's going to be very formal. All the faculty are going to be in their regalia, okay? We're going to be looking all professoral and uh, digni dignified. Our president is going to give a chapel message about the integrity and the power of an academic education. And so it's going to be a little bit more formal on Thursday. And then back on Friday, regular chapel, Pastor Terry Parkman's going to be here. If you don't know Pastor Terry, he's awesome. The lead pastor at the River Valley Church. Uh, church network here in the city so it's gonna be great we got a great first week of chapels it's gonna be awesome i want to ask actually i want to challenge you i want you to i want you to consider this that before you scan into chapel that you that you kind of pause and you reset your attitude and your expectation because here's what happens unfortunately when you don't reset your attitude and expectation prior to chapel every day every day every day what happens is mid-semester you come into chapel and it's like the same old thing it's the same old thing i mean if what's your favorite food in the world think of your favorite food in the world what if you had to eat it every meal of your life you'd, you'd eventually you'd get sick of it and i'm not saying that we get sick of chapel i'm just saying that it takes spiritual discipline even as hot as it is with our worship and our preaching, it takes spiritual discipline on your part and on my part that before that chapel begins, I reset my attitude and my expectation. Because whenever we get to the place where we are starting to feel bored and we're starting to feel like, oh, it's the same old thing, and then, oh, man, I got all these skips. I'm going to cash in all my skips. And I, What happens is, is then we... we we, we literally, quite possibly, miss when God is speaking. We miss. So I want to challenge you and encourage you to take spiritual discipline before every chapel. Just reset your attitude, reset your expectation, and reset your, 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 your response, your, you are, your willingness to respond. Meaning that if there's an altar, if the call is given and the altar is open and you've got time after chapel, I just would encourage you to be that student who would always say, I'm going to respond every time there's an opportunity. I might not be feeling great. My spiritual ebb and flow might be down, not up, but I'm going to respond every time because I serve a God, not of emotion, but I serve a God of constancy, and I want him to see that I'm always ready to hear what he has to say to me. So I want to encourage you to do that, and I'd encourage this freshman class, you can set the pace. Not that our upperclassmen are dogging it. They're not dogging it. I'm just saying that you as freshmen, you don't have to take your cues from, from, from other students uh, who might be just, you know, using their device all through chapel. And unfortunately, some of that happens. I want, you, I want to encourage you, okay? Why? Because you're facing the unknown. And God wants to speak to you and empower you through the unknown, but you've got to participate, and you've got to be active, and you've got to be engaged. So, <clears throat> I want you to... Uh, take uh, a look, real quick look at some individuals who faced incredible unknowns that are in our scriptures. And it's from their experience of the unknown that we're going to start to unpack some, some action steps or some ways in which how do I actually embrace the unknown? Especially if you deal with the unknown and it's like, oh, I don't like the unknown. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I want us to look at five people. Abraham, let's start with him. Abraham, chapter 12, verse 1 of Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. What was Abraham's unknown? Abraham's unknown was what we'd call a geographical dislocation. 
You ever have a shoulder dislocated or a joint dislocated? It's painful, very painful. More painful than breaking your leg is a dislocation, especially when the doctor has to put it back into place. Very, very painful. And some of you have experienced, as freshmen, you've experienced a geographical dislocation. You've been dislocated from home. Okay? Some of you have never been to Minnesota before, and the unknown of now living in Minnesota in your college years is the unknown of the Minnesota winters. <laughs> Some of you have been dislocated into an urban big city. And it's the unknown, the dislocation, the unfamiliarity of the urban setting. It's just you're from maybe more of a rural setting or a suburban setting, and this is unfamiliar to you. You've been dislocated from a geographical location. You've also been dislocated from your family. That's what Abraham, he was dislocated from his family. I'm going to take you from your land, your people, and your father's household. And that's what you as incoming freshmen and transfer students, you've been dislocated in a geographical, in a relational sense. And so if you're wrestling with that, okay, it's okay. It's okay to wrestle with that. In just a moment, I'll explain what God is doing inside of you in the midst of this unknown geographical dislocation. Let's look at another person, Moses. Moses, Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, the story picks up where Moses is tending his father-in-law's flock on the backside of the desert. Um, he's, uh, he's kind of forfeited you know, his role in Egypt by you know, killing somebody because he was angry at injustice and he probably shouldn't have done that. And because he's a marked man for murder, he's got to, he's got to flee. And he flees. And he, and he flees the backside of the desert and he meets this woman and she's awesome and meets her father and ends up marrying the woman and ends up working for his father-in-law, Jethro. And, um, and it's while he's shepherding these sheep in the backside of the desert, something unusual happens that he didn't plan for and he sees this bush that is burning, but for some reason it keeps burning, keeps burning, keeps burning. It's burning, but it doesn't burn up. And he says to himself, wow, that's, you know, that, that's awesome. Like, what's going on here? I have to see. And so he approaches it and gets a little closer. And, of course, you're familiar with the episode where God says, hold it, stop right there, Moses, Moses. And uh, God calls out to him and basically says, you're standing on holy ground. Take your shoes off. And uh, it's his introduction, the, the, the verbal introduction to God. And God says something to him that triggers the unknown that is a powerful unknown that causes Moses not to say, hey, let's do this, but no way, not me. I can't do this. Listen to what God says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. All right, now I'm going to just pause there. If, in fact, you find yourself dealing with the unknown in a way that makes you nervous and intimidated and, and everything inside of you wants to go backward and wants to go home, Wants to say, God, not me, someone else. I can't do this. It'll kill me. I want you to understand, this is a very, very important principle. The unknown, within the unknown, is always a cause. There's always a cause in the unknown that God is leading you into. He's not sending you here to North Central just so that you can have a fun college career. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. But God has something in store for you that's related to His cause on this planet. That's why we say, whether you are in the college of church leadership, going into vocational ministry full-time, paid, or you're going on the mission field vocationally, or you're going to teach school, or you're going to be a coach, or you're going to be a journalist, or you're going to be anything in the marketplace, you're all going to be in the full-time ministry. Because there's a cause that God needs all of us as his followers to be engaged in. And for us to find our place, we have to step into an unknown. And your first step of unknown is to come to North Central and get a college education. Because there's something about a college education that deepens you so that you can 
in your ministry, in your career, your profession, you can have more breadth. See, if you want to have a breadth of influence, you got to have a depth of knowledge and understanding and maturity and a depth that comes from the unknown of a high-class college education. Let me tell you, freshmen, you're going to have some classes that are going to rip you to shreds intellectually. You're going to read that syllabus and you're going to say to yourself, what did I get myself into? Listen, you're going to hear, freshmen, you're going to hear the stories of certain professors who are the toughest professors. You're going to hear from some lesser, how do I say this kindly? You're going to hear from some upperclassmen who like to take the easier route who are going to say to you, hey, you got this class? Well, you got a choice between this professor or that professor, blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't want to take this professor because that professor is, so, is the toughest. I would encourage you to embrace the unknown. And if, you're, if you can take that professor's course, step into it. And that's not to say other professors are not are not at that level. I'm just saying you're going to hear certain things all through life that are going to tempt you to take the easy route, the shortcut, the, the, the simpler way. I challenge you to be the person who steps into the most difficult thing. Why? Because there's a cause. God was looking down from heaven and He was seeing the nation of Israel enslaved by a, by a wicked taskmaster and a wicked system and God needed somebody to rise up in whom He would anoint to rescue them out of slavery. And Moses was that man. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. Verse 10, so now, Moses, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. In every circumstance of the unknown, there's a cause, and there's also a commissioning. When you are wrestling with should I step into this unknown? Just know there's a cause. And there's a commissioning. In other words, God is calling somebody to deal with that cause. And I want to challenge you to be that person. But Moses struggled with this because it says here in verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, the classic, most important thing that you need to hear when you feel like you can't do it and you don't want to do it, get someone else, God. All you need to hear is what Moses heard when God said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Moses' unknown was this sense of intimidation, who me, and God responds with, I'll be with you. Let's look at Joseph. Joseph in Genesis 39 and I want to start, start in verse 19. You're familiar with what happened to, to Joseph. He's been sold into slavery by his brothers. He's a good guy. God blesses him while he's in slavery. And uh, this big wig sees that he's, you know, a fine young man, and he pulls him out of that prison and says, I want you to come and work for me. And, um, and, and this guy gets blessed because Joseph is under the anointing of God. And, and then one day when the boss isn't there, his wife is there, his wife makes advances to him, sexual advances, and Joseph does the right thing. He does the absolute right thing. He says, God forbid that I would do that. You are the wife of my master. I, I, I would never do that. And she grabs him and he runs and as he runs, his cloak, his, his shirt rips off of his body. And he runs. He does the right thing. The absolute right thing. And she's spurned. And she's offended. And she does the wicked thing. And she cries rape. And the Bible says here, when the master, this is Potiphar, when he heard the story, okay, because it was a made-up story, he said, this is how, she says, this is how your slave treat me. And Joseph's master burned with anger. He took him and he put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, what does it say? The Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Joseph's unknown was 
the circumstance of injustice, the circumstance of inequity, the circumstance of being misjudged, the circumstance of being misunderstood, the circumstance of being profiled and judged on the basis of another person's wicked prejudice, all of those things. And this is one of the most common unknowns of life. What do I do now that I've been hurt? I've been offended. I've been, I've been, con- I've been convicted of something I didn't do. I've been misjudged. And it happens as a college student. You're going to have some relational dysfunction things happen in your life. And it's just going to happen because none of us are perfect. And you're going to feel like you weren't understood and you weren't listened to. And it wasn't fair. And someone else got it better than I did. And It's the unknown of injustice. How are you going to handle it? Let's move to Joshua. We have two more. Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, God says to Joshua, Hey, Moses is dead. He's gone. But you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Joshua's unknown was stepping into impossibility. Stepping into impossibility. Whenever you are faced with something that you feel is impossible, that's called an unknown. God's calling you to do something that you know is impossible. And it could be a course that you have to take here. And the academic, it's just, oh, it's impossible. What this professor is asking us to do to get done over the course of the, oh, it's impossible. It's not going to be possible in light of all the other classes you have and maybe a part-time job and maybe you get involved in, in, in some activities here at the school. You're going to face impossibilities. Joshua faced the impossibility of not just stepping into the big shoes of leadership, you know, have to do what Moses was supposed to do, but he had to step into the big shoes of leading these people into the promised land when a river was flooded. And when the very first city that they faced had these huge walls around it. And then there's all these other territories that were saturated with these pagan nations. Totally impossible. But notice what it says in verse 5 through 9. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. How do you embrace the unknown? of impossibility. Again, God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Lean into it. Last person is David. David, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Saul, the king, has disqualified himself, and now God has chosen someone else. And God sent the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse, who had many, many sons. And Jesse is told that the prophet wants to see the boys. Line these boys up. He's not really told why, but it must be something very, very important because the prophet is here. And so Jesse calls for all of his sons, kind of. And Samuel looks at the oldest son, thinks to himself, I'm sure that is the one God was thinking about because he's tall, he's strong. And God says, no, he's not the one. Well, I bet it's the next oldest because he's also a big dude. Looks stately in in stature. God says, nope, not him. Goes down the whole line of those boys that were standing there and God said about each one, not him, not him, nope, nope, nada, nope. And after going through all those boys, Samuel is kind of checking his phone, you know, like getting his notes back from God, you know, the text that God gave him. Okay, it's, yeah, it is Jesse. You are Jesse, right? Yeah, I'm Jesse. These, are these all your sons? And Jesse says, well, they're, yeah, they're all the important ones. What do you mean the important ones? Well, we've got, I got one more boy, but he's the runt. He's like the, you know, he's like, he's, you know, he's not here. Well, where is he? Well, we, he's out there with the sheep. He's pulling shepherding duty, which was always the lowest chore on the ranch if you could do anything else on the ranch you'd do it you wouldn't shepherd sheep why because it was lonely and it was it was it was it was midnight shift i mean you don't shepherd sheep so much in the day you shepherd them at night when all the predators want to have them for dinner and that's where you put the runt and that's where david was and samuel says to jesse go get him and the bible tells us that the moment 
Samuel saw David. God said to Samuel, he's the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David, meaning he poured a whole vask of oil on the top of his head, dripped all over his face, all on his garments, all the way to the tips of his toes. And he did this in the presence of his brothers. And listen to this. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Now, what was the unknown of David? You want to know what the unknown of David was? Many of you are going to experience this. You come here to North Central, and you come here with a pretty good resume. Especially if you come here and you're going to be a preacher or you're going to be a worship leader or you're going to do something big on a stage like this. You come here from a church and a youth group where you were the big dog and you, you know, got first place in fine arts in your district and you, you know, you did excellent at, at, at national fine arts and, and you've had all these people speak into your life that you are, a, you are going to be a great preacher. You are going to kill it. You are awesome. The anointing is on you. And guess what? You come to North Central University and you realize there's lots of people that have the same resume and you're not the big dog anymore and no one's really inviting you to grab the microphone and preach and you're not being invited to get on a team and you're just, it's like, what? It's the unknown of inactivity. See, what happened to David is he's anointed powerfully. And the very, let me read it again. It's very, very interesting. He says this, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. So you'd think that from that day on, I'm not doing shepherd duty anymore. The Spirit of the Lord is powerfully put on, upon me. I'm ready to do king stuff. I'm ready to move into the castle. I'm ready to, to do what I've been called into. And God says, nope, I don't think so. Do what your dad says. And dad says, okay, David, that's cool. He anointed you. Okay, wipe it all off and get back out with the sheep. And that's exactly what happened to David. Sometimes the unknown is stepping into something that's empty. It's a vacuum. It's like, what's happening? I, I thought I had this call. I thought the doors were going to open. I thought it was just going to be epic every day. Can I encourage you to get over epicism? You know, everything doesn't have to be epic. Some days just have to be the grind. You don't have to have an epic experience in your devotional life every day. You just need to be in the Word and in prayer every day. Because it's in the season of inactivity that God is really seeing where your values are. Okay? Where your passion is. Is your passion fueled only when you're lit up with emotion or is your passion coming out even when you're not feeling it? See, it's very interesting that David went back to the hillside to inactivity in terms of kingly inactivity. Why? Because God was preparing him. God wanted him. God needed him to go back to the hillside and do what he probably did every night. As the sun went down, he put pop bottles on posts and he, and he did a slingshot. You know, he, he knocked the, have you, ever, you guys ever done that? You know, you put a little pop bottle, you know. You guys even know what pop is? I probably shouldn't have said that. You know, we don't. And bottles, we don't use bottles anymore. But he went back on the hillside and he practiced his sling. And you know what else he did? On the hillside, he wrote songs. All in preparation for that big day that was coming, 1 Samuel 18, Goliath. And David steps into that moment. The door is now open, and it happens. Let me just encourage you that the unknown sometimes doesn't cause you to get intimidated or worried or fearful. It just, it's boring. It, it's like you wonder where God is. And I'm here to tell you, He's preparing you. He's preparing you. So let me just wrap it up by this. There's only one takeaway to the unknown. You've got to embrace it. Okay? You've got to embrace it. Okay? Make it your friend. Hug it. Grab it. Even when it's scaring you spitless. Because the unknown of isolation, okay, 
the unknown of isolation, being separated, the, the, the unknown of, of dislocation. You're, you're in a new place. It's all unfamiliar. You're far from mom and dad. Like Abraham, just know that it's producing faith. It's producing faith. Abraham lost his, his, his country, his friends, his family, only to be given a brand new land, the promised land. A brand new family, a wife, and eventually Isaac and Ishmael, but through Isaac, the nation of Israel comes up. And now, yeah, he has to leave his friends, but what does he get? He gets the privilege of being the one in whom the Scripture says, through you, Abraham, all people will be blessed. So I want you to embrace your isolation from what's familiar. Just embrace it. God's preparing you for something greater. The unknown of intimidation that Moses dealt with. What's being produced in you? Leadership. Leadership. When you're intimidated, but you lean into it, and you just do the next thing God's called you to do, and you don't know how He's going to help you, just know that He's producing leadership inside of you. The ability to stand when no one else is standing, that's called leadership. The unknown of injustice that Joseph dealt with, if you'll embrace it, it will produce integrity. Integrity. Let me tell you that when it comes to hiring you after you graduate and you're in the interview process, they're going to look at your resume, they're going to see what skills, what competencies you have, but what they're really going to be drilling into is the inner person related to your character and your integrity. Is it possible that I'm interviewing someone who has that sense of they're going to be the one who's in here early and the one who stays late? Am I interviewing someone who I can trust is not going to be stealing the office pens or office supplies or or padding the budget for their own? uh, Or is it someone that has integrity? When you are facing the unknown of injustice that Joseph dealt with, you're going to produce integrity. Joshua, the unknown of impossibility, what does that produce? It produces the possibility for miracles because that's exactly happened as Joshua led them into that swollen river, the high priest going first, the river splits, just like the Red Sea, and it becomes dry ground to which they cross. you got the miracle of the walls of Jericho falling as a miracle. And then the miracle after miracle after miracle of conquering the entire promised land. Face your impossibilities. Embrace it. That's where the miracles are. And then finally, David gives us the uh, embracing the unknown of inactivity. And if you'll do that, if you'll embrace when you feel like you've been forgotten, if you embrace the situations where other people are being asked but you're not being asked, if you'll embrace that, guess what's being developed in your life? Resiliency. Resiliency. The people who burn up after they leave North Central oftentimes are those who peaked too early. They got attention, they got the stage too early, and they couldn't handle it. And they thought that their charisma was going to carry them to success when actually your charisma will not carry you to success. Character will carry you to the furthest reaches of success. I want you to bow your heads as I pray, and in just a moment we're going to do something as a special way of closing. I just want you to, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to think about these five unknowns. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit help you because you're all dealing with one in particular or maybe a couple of them. Maybe the unknown of isolation, okay? You're here, you're far from home, you're far from what's familiar. And it's the unknown of this totally new setting. And I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Maybe it's the unknown of intimidation. You've already been looking at some of your course syllabi. And the academic intimidation is there. Maybe it's the unknown of injustice. You've come to school for the first time or you're returning. And there's a hurt, there's a wound of injustice that happened in your past or even this summer. And you're struggling with it. Or maybe it's the unknown of just something that seems to be a flat impossibility. Maybe it's financial. You're not sure how you're going to get the bill paid for when it's due. Maybe it's the the unknown of of inactivity. Feel like God's forgotten you. He's bypassed you. You've had this moment of calling and anointing, but hasn't materialized yet. Which one are you dealing with?
Which one are you dealing with? Lord, I pray over these students. Because as much as the unknown is common and just seems to be constant and it's difficult, if we look at it in the right lens, through the lens of Jesus, and we look through the lens of the Holy Spirit, we can see that the, the picture of the unknown is an invitation to transformation. It's an invitation to lean into that which you are going to use to change us, to strengthen us, to develop us, to sharpen us, to anoint us, I pray that each student would say to themselves and to you, God, I am not going to run from the unknown. But like David, when Goliath threatened him with his sword and shield, the scripture says that David picked up the stones and he ran toward Goliath, saying, you come at me with sword and shield, but I come at you in the name of the Lord Almighty. I pray that'd be our attitude with every unknown. We'd step into it in the name of the Lord Almighty. Amen. All right, here's how I want to close. How many of you have a birthday in January? We'll need the lights up, Chris, thanks. How many of you have a birthday in January? Great. Great, great. How many of you have a birthday in February? Raise your hands. Okay. Okay, March. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to get in groups based on the month that you were born. Okay, so just follow this direction here. In just a moment, you're gonna, we're going to put five, three or four or five questions on the screen. And in groups, I want you to just talk this through together. But here's what I want you to do. Some of you, uh, every, there's 12 months, and, and uh, I, I want you to get in your, your, your group as a month. Then if there's four of you or, or 12 of you, I want you then to divide down even smaller into threes and fours. No less than three, no more than four. Does that make sense? And then I want you to talk through the five questions. Can you put those up there, Chris? I know you're doing double duty. Uh, the unknown. Which of the unknowns are you experiencing right now? Just share that with, with a couple other people. And uh, the person in the Bible who's unknown you most relate to. Okay, I went through five of them. Maybe there's another person in the Bible you think who's unknown comes to your mind. Just talk about that. And then uh, finish this sentence. Here's what I'm trusting God to do in my life as I lean into the unknown. Okay, this is what I'm trusting God to do, to help me with. And then I want you to pray together. And whatever your circle is, just pray for the person on your right and go around the circle, pray for each other. And that'll be our dismissal. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, January people, stand to your feet, January people. Stand to your feet, January people, January people. Okay, January people, I want you to go right up to the balcony by that door. Okay, go right now, if you would. This will be, otherwise we're going to have uh, congestion. So, Upper balcony to that area. February. Who's February? February, February, February. February, stand to your feet. Could you? February? Because I need to know how many. February is just three of you. Okay. March and March, March. February and March. Okay. February and March. I want you guys to go in back in that corner there. February and March. Go quickly if you could. February, March. Upper balcony there. Okay. April. Who's April? April, April, April. How many April? April. Good, 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 good. April. Okay. April people. Um, hang on a second. February, March. Where are you guys going? Go, go upstairs, right over here. Yeah, use this stairway right here. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, April, right? Okay, guys, go over here, up this, and then go by that door up there. May. How many people in the month of May do we got? May people come down here. Come down here as, as I call you out. May people come down here. I want to see if I need to get June or not. May, just stand right here, people in May. People in May right here. May. Okay, good. May people go right up by in that balcony, go up these steps and go up to that door right there in the upper balcony. Okay, May. All right, June. Who's June? June, come right here. So I, 
I see how many of you guys are. June. June birthdays. Okay, you guys that are June, go back in that corner, first level. July. July people, come right here. July. July, right here. July. 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 Isn't this creative, by the way? Dr. Graham, you are so creative. You are so creative. Okay, July. Yeah, even get applause. July, go over in that corner on the first level. August. August. Where are our August people? Oh, this is a good group. Okay, August. I want you guys to go back uh, in that corner by that door. When you get into your groups of three or four, you guys are gathered, just go ahead and get in groups of three or four. If you want to stand or if you want to sit in the, in, the, in, the, in the chairs, in the pews, uh, you don't have to be exactly where you're at. I just want you to get together. Uh, where'd we left off? What are they, August? Se- September. Who's September? September, September, September. September. Okay, back there. Back there. September, back there. October, come up here. October, come up here. October, come up here. October, right here. Real quick. October. Okay, October, you guys are just in this this area right here, okay? In groups of three or four, either on the floor or in, a, in the chairs, doesn't matter. Three or, groups of three or four. Divide up however you want to, three or four. Uh, November. November. November, right here. November, right here. <clears throat> Get in groups of three or four, sit on the floor or sit in the chairs. December, right in the middle. December, right in the middle. Right on. December, right in the middle. December, right in the middle. All right. Groups are three or four. Sit to where you can see each other and make good eye contact. Um, 